Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it's time again to bring the orange with a returning guest and someone we love to have on the program, Cody Hosterman, Technical Director of VMware Solutions. Cody, it's always a pleasure to find time to get you on the show. Welcome back. Yeah, likewise. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And, you know, I... Uh, I think we took the bring the orange a little too literally the past couple of days. I, you know, for the folks that have been paying attention to the news and or and or live in California, it has literally been orange outside, which I, I don't know if that's a great, you know, portend of the future or some weird omen of the state of the world. But either way, it's certainly been painted orange these days. It has been very orange. And even today, there is an orange hue in the air. It feels like it's uh, dusk, uh, you know, all day long. I went for a walk yesterday at like two in the afternoon. And it was almost like nighttime. You know, my, my lamp that senses darkness in the front yard has been on, you know, the whole day, the last two days. It's very odd for, for any that have seen the pictures in the media. It's, it's happening. It's just this weird orange thing that happens when the, you know, the smoke particles are high up in the air. Um, and uh, we'll get through it, just like everything else we're getting through this year, right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, I, I thought I had like... I sunglasses on or something weird or, or it's just some kind of crazy Instagram filter over my eyes. But yeah, regardless, yeah, it's uh, one more thing to deal with, I suppose, and we'll uh, power forward. We will power forward. But, you know, before we jump in, we're going to be talking about VMworld here for everybody and a great time of year to uh, to discuss all the great things that you and the team are preparing and going to be delivering at uh, this year's virtual VMware. But I always notice, and I'm always envious, um, that uh, on the Twitters, that uh, you get out and do quite a bit of outdoorsy stuff. Um, quite a hiker, right? You, you scaled, uh, what, Trinity Peak and Mount Lassen last weekend on the long weekend? Is that something you guys do regularly, you and your wife? Yeah, yeah. My, you know, my wife and I, we generally we try to like to do traveling, you know, internationally and abroad, and that's not really a thing right now. And so, yeah. you know, we're like, well, let's let's try to take advantage of of the the beauty that's around us here in California. So, um, you know, let's go to places that we can drive, right? Because often we'll be like, well, should we go to should we go backpacking Yosemite or should we go to Paris? You know, and it's always, yeah. oh, let's go. Right. And uh, or you know, I have a conference in Barcelona, VMworld. Like, let's just go there and go somewhere. Like, because it's hard to make that trade-off and so we're like hey you know what since we're kind of forced to be here it sounds like a bad thing but like you know it's it's a wonderful place here uh let's let's just explore every corner of california and i mean my wife and i we like to backpack and hike as much as possible so we've been we've been doing that doing that quite a bit and you know i i uh when we were up in trinity alps area there um i was following my wife on the trail as usual and i sit there thinking i'm like I don't know if me trying to keep up my wife with keep up with my wife is going to add four years to my life or take away four years to, from my life. I, I'm not really entirely sure where that's going to end up landing, but regardless, there are certainly some great years. But yeah, we we we, we do try to enjoy it. And I'll tell you, Lassen Lassen Peak and Lassen, Lassen National uh, Park up in northern 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 California there. Uh, something I didn't really even knew existed until recently, and we hiked to the volcano there uh, at sunset, and uh, it was it was just absolutely beautiful. It was a it was a intense but kind of short hike, but it was a, a beautiful peak. So definitely recommended if you're in the area to to check it out. Yeah, a lot of hidden gems in in California in terms of the outdoorsy. I think everybody sort of thinks of the coasts or the big you know the big communities, but 
you know, kind of like 90% of the state is all these just beautiful and amazing, you know, places to, I mean, even here locally in the Bay Area, we've got Mount Diablo, which, you know, which I hiked a number of years back. And that was a fun, you know, half day, half day kind of thing just to just to head up to the top. But um, do you have any any long term goals? You know, like my cousin did Kilimanjaro one year. Do you have any of those kinds of things that you're, you're looking to do that are that are on the uh, on the radar once we can travel again? Honestly, I, I think really my only long-term goal around hiking and backpacking and stuff is I would like to, to go, I mean, this is some of a domestic goal, but like to all the U.S. national parks, right? Yeah. Or as many as we possibly can. And and as far as doing the, the, the crazy big kind of, you know, K2 types of things, not really, you know, um, I, I think it would be cool, like I'd Everest Base Camp or something like that. It was Somu, one of our Oracle Solutions technical directors, people here, you know, he, he did that uh, two years ago, which seemed really cool. So, I, I, you know, just kind of a variety and, and hit up as much as I can, but anything specific like that, not, not really. We kind of just take it as it goes. Well, that's awesome. That's the way to do it. Nice and uh, easy, free and easy going. And uh, I'll do a bad segue here, but speaking of mountains. We are climbing the mountain to get to uh, to VMworld and to the summit, and uh, that is coming at the end of this month. We're recording this in early September, so that'll be late September that VMworld is rolling, and that's why we want to have you come on the program to preview what you're working on now and, and what the team's going to be doing there. And you've already been posting uh, some photos of you doing recordings of uh, sessions, and you got quite, I mean, it is a logistical challenge, but I think as we keep going forward, we're figuring out how to make really good content at home that you can deliver for attendees at these, uh, at these events. Yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting process. Cause I, you know, about a, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago, uh, VMware had their overview for presenters. Like, this is what you need to do to record. And it was like, Oh, this is going to be a dumpster fire. But <laughs> it, you know, in the end um, it was, it was kind of an interesting process, right? Cause you had the ability to um, they had these remote, recording studios set up if, if you wanted to go and like some of them you know were in like hotels and airbnbs and things and some of them was like vmware hq if you're in the area uh, and then you can also like have one like shipped to you like they send you like two laptops and some mics and things or you could use your own equipment and i've been doing so many webinars so many zoom so many everything that i've been spending the past six seven months accumulating all this gear, right, to do yeah. uh, green screens and mics and noise canceling that and, and you understanding the software. And I've got a little bit of a good solid studio going here in my, my second bedroom. And, um, you know, I got the standing desk and everything like that. And I just bought something this morning. I, my wife's, I mean, I just, <laughs> just bought another thing for the mic setup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but, um, Anyways, uh, it's it's been an interesting process, and I certainly have learned a lot around how to do this. And it's been it's been kind of fun to a certain extent to to go through it. And and I, I think the 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 virtual VM world is going to be interesting because I I think one of the nice things about it there are some downsides um, certainly, but I think one of the nice things about it is it opens up the content to a lot of people that wouldn't normally go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not just not. I'm not even just talking about like you know VMware customers, uh, even our engineering team. Like we have a lot of folks in our engineering organization that do a lot of stuff related to VMware, uh, and they've never really historically gone to 
uh, VMworld because, you know, engineering has so much travel budget and our engineers will usually choose something that's a little bit more specifically related to engineering, you know, like uh, whatever conferences on JavaScript or, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, that yeah. kind of, stuff, right. You know, um, and so they're like, Oh, how cool. I can attend the sessions and things like that. And so I, I think it opens up to a new audience. Um, one of the things that, you know, I've been trying to keep in mind too, is that I do some, and we'll talk some more about these sessions, but you know, I, I do some recurring sessions with VMware around best practices and stuff. And, and you're always thinking, Oh, we, we need new fresh material. It has to be hundred percent. And we're like, you know what? There's going to be a ton of people that have probably never seen this content yeah. before. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of, there's a little bit of a back to basics kind of feel about it too. Cause we're like, Hey, there's going to be a lot of new people attending. Like, I think it's important to hit on these particular topics and so forth that we, we might have glossed over in the past that I think will be helpful. And so I, I'm looking forward to having kind of a wider, larger, potentially more varied audience um, in, in, in this VM world this year. Yeah, it's certainly great for exposure. And I know we learned that when we did Pure Accelerate Digital back in June, right, where we had certain expectations for the quantity of online attendees and then all of a sudden it was 2x, 3x, 5x and in the end, you know, it was far more than we expected. But what you've got is you've got the ability to get exposure to individuals where, you know, I, I think for, for a lot of roles in, in IT, yeah, there's budget to go to one event a year in person and travel and, and be on a plane and spend money in a hotel. But now you open it up like this. And I, I, I love that you're still doing the back to basics things, right? I mean, because we look at what we do at Accelerate or we look at what you've done historically at VMworld. It's, it's sort of your, you know, core administrative, you know, guidelines or basics kind of things that tend to get the really big and I think every year, right, they, they have to cap the, the, the quantity of people for your sessions. Now, I don't think there's a cap, right, unless whatever tool they're using has a cap, but you could be seeing far more people getting exposure to, to those really great sessions you do. That's really exciting. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a cool thing is that like it, they're, you know, you're not dealing with room sizes and this and oh, I mean, oh, it's full filled up, you know, put on the wait list, maybe you'll get in and and so that that's that opens that up. Now there is some kind of downsides to the whole thing. Obviously, I mean, I'm not, I'm not much of a partier or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, a lot of people do not believe me. I am an introvert. I really, truly am. And there's a difference between being introverted and shy. Let's all just totally. remember that there's a difference there. Yep. Um, I recharge by being by myself. There's a reason my wife and I, you know, go backpacking and stuff. Like it helps me. Helps me recharge. Um, and so like the parties and things, eh, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine not doing. Um, but what I do miss though, is I really do enjoy those chats after my presentation yeah. with people that come up to you and ask you questions and the ran random people that you run into or the people that of course, you know, at the conference and just have these chats around because it's been a lot of cool projects that have come specifically from just little side chats I've had at VMworld. And so I will miss that. And there isn't for like the sessions at VMworld, there isn't like a live Q and A. So we kind of have to figure out ways to still provide that interaction. Cause that is something that currently hasn't been solved in a great way when there are pre-recorded sessions around interacting with your audience when that session is going on, because session could be going on it whenever they feel to watch it. Right. So yeah, there's yeah. certainly some logistical things that I think are still developing, but um, I think we're all as an industry getting better with that. Yeah. I think that's one we're trying to solve is that interactivity. Cause if it's not something that's live, but if it is live, you're typically presenting. So you can't really, you know, interact. But then I think what we've seen in some of these online events in chat rooms too, is that there's a little bit of, um, well, not introvertedness, but there's shyness, right? People don't want to ask certain questions in a big broad forum 
which is why those one-on-one -on -one chats after you present or even if you're hanging out at the booth for, for your area, that's where the real value and the real, you know, how do I do this? And you can sit down for 15 minutes. So yeah, that's one that I think that, that everybody's going to you know, have to try to continue to figure out as long as we're as long as we're in this and then we'll get back to you know live and in-person events you know as as we uh, as we go forward um well let's let's take a pause and kind of just look back a little because i think the last time i had you on the program was back in the spring and that was right after vmware made some some pretty significant announcements and we kind of went through you know just the litany of amazing things that you and the team are doing to to keep us you know, actively integrated. And I love the way you put it, you know, you have a great blog that's out there right now, pre previewing VMworld, where you stated, you know, the net net is that we're actively working to improve, enhance all the different integrations that we do across, you know, SRM and vRealize and vSphere and VM Analytics and Pure One and VMware Cloud Foundation. I mean, there's just, you know, it's, it's an endless list that I can't believe your team isn't like 50 or 80 people deep. Um, it's far smaller than that, right? But, but what are the highlights of, of things that, you know, just to remind folks of, of what's been going on the last, you know, four or five months? Yeah, it's these, these integrations are getting to the N factorial place here. So it gets, <laughs> it gets tough. But um, yeah, so there's, there's some future things. And, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But like the what's, you know, what have we been focused on recently? And, and what's, what's been maintained? What's been improved? And like you said, there's, there's been a lot. And one of the one of the VMware products that I've been working on for is long, is pretty much almost as long as I've been working on ESX is of course Site Recovery Manager, their disaster recovery migration tool and so forth. And there's been a lot of, a lot of integration and effort around SRM there, right? So obviously one of the big ones that came out earlier this year was virtual volume support for Site Recovery Manager. That was a really nice, close, collaborative co-engineering effort with, with VMware. Um, and that's, that effort there, um, obviously the, the benefit of that was integration of Evolves with SRM, but I think the larger benefit of there is it really brought our engineering organizations much closer. It really enabled better collaboration and communication, and we've spawned other projects because of the success of that project. So that certainly has been a big one. But, you know, I love Vivals. I'll talk about Vivals. I'm sure we're going to talk about Vivals some more here. It's um, on the list. Do... Yeah, it's on the list somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's on the list, right? I have it on the list as your favorite with an exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> but there's been other work too. Our, we, we have an SRM plugin called, you know, a storage replication adapter. And we've been, we've been enhancing that consistently over the years. And, and we've added two major new features to that in, in the past year. One is the ability to fail over to a third site. Uh, and what I mean by that is we, you know, we have an offering called Active Cluster, which is our active-active replication. And generally, most, most folks who implement that in a VMware environment do it in a, in a form called VMSC, so a stretch compute cluster with stretch storage. And so if there's a failure, vSphere HA takes care of recovering your VMs between the, the failure domains that are the hosts and the arrays. But in the case of a large disaster, like even that main, like a hurricane can, can be huge, right? Yep. And that can take out both active, active data centers because they're going to be limited because of latency, you know, reasons in distance. Uh, and so protecting that in that data to a third site via asynchronous replication is common. And we, we support that with active cluster. And now we also support that with site recovery manager, protect your critical workloads on active cluster with a stretch compute on VMware and then have SRM protect that at distance via our asynchronous replication at two. So you can fail over to a third site in the case of a significant 
disaster. And probably the one that got the most press um, this year from a, a, you know, a pure perspective and replication is something called Active DR. Active DR is our near synchronous asynchronous replication, right? So we're talking sub 30 second type RPO, um, which is uh, which we integrated with our storage replication adapter in our 4.0 release. And I, I think one of the cool things about Active DR is that it's not just asynchronous replication for your data, right? It's also about asynchronous replication of the configuration and state of your storage environment. It's not, it's not just, hey, this volume, let's make sure its data is over there every you know, 10 seconds, five seconds, 10 milliseconds, whatever your, 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 your current replication RPO is. But it's also about, hey, volume resizes, QoS settings, snapshots, uh, uh, scheduled snapshots, their schedules or attention policies. All that stuff is also replicated with your data. So it's not just about recovering your data sets, but your data environment. And I think that's one of the cool things about Active Cluster, which does that with zero RPO yeah. and Active DR, which syncs that stuff over in, in a couple of seconds, right? Depending on your workload and so forth. And I, I think that's a really important piece beyond the simplicity and I think really impressive design of Active DR in general. But I, I think that's an important piece to understand what Active DR offers. And so integrating that with Site Recovery Manager was priority zero uh, for us when it came to the VMware and and uh, Active DR world. Yeah, I'm glad you add that in about Active DR because I, 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 you know, at, at a surface level, I, I, it gets treated as a near sync thing, but that it, that it maintains all those other aspects is is certainly interesting from you know simplicity and administration. You know when when an event kind of happens. What what was it about all the integration work? I'm going to go off script a tiny bit. You you mentioned that this really brought the engineering teams together between Pure and VMware. What was it about this specifically that that caused that to happen? Well, a, a couple of things is one um, like the the work around VVols and and Site Recovery Manager in particular, but VVols just really itself. It's, it requires a lot of know how across the stack. And a lot of the engineers that we've been growing our VVault team, we, we, we've basically quadrupled it uh, in the past year, um, is that they didn't come with a lot of necessarily VMware expertise, or some, some of them are fairly new, even flash array expertise. And VVols automates all of that, right? And so it requires a lot of know-how across the board. And to get ramped up on that, you need to work with people that know it. And so that we had to build that communication mm -hmm. uh, between the, the, the VMware side, the pure side, our engineering team. Uh, Alex Carver on my team was the, the champion of all of this, right? We have an engineering sync between VMware's VVOL engineering uh, team and our VVOL engineering team. We call it the Alex Carver call. Uh, <laughs> because Carver he, you know, yeah. if he's not there, then, you know, he's he's been a linchpin in, in a lot of that work. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's it's the the kind of the community, we figured out the best way to communicate, how to drive uh, support cases we found through engineering to, to make good progress on design input and stuff, how, how to, how to, you know, how to, if we have questions, what's the information that we need to gather so, so VMware can answer it in the right way. Like the, a lot of that communication, we learned a lot of lessons and it's gone quite well. And because it went well, um, you know, we shipped a bunch of flash arrays over to VMware too, obviously, so they can do some testing and development from mm -hmm. their side. Um, they're like, hey, this worked really well with Pure. Let's do some more projects around that. I know we, we've had other ones in the past, NVMe Fabrics and so forth too, that 
predated some of this work. Um, but this has really opened us up to some of the things that, you know, we'll be talking about in a couple minutes, I presume, um, to, to additional engineering efforts. But really, it was a kind of a way to prove out the, the quality of our Vival engineering team. Um, so in VMware, it's like, yeah, these, these folks really know what they're doing. Let's, let's do more with them. Yeah, that's really cool. No, I just wanted to dig in. I was curious, right, as to what were the aspects of that, because I know sometimes you work on things and it's, you know, two organizations sort of working in serial and syncing periodically, but it's it's great to hear that there was uh, such a close uh, degree of, of collaboration going on there, which resulted in just some really cool stuff that, that you guys, you know, pushed out around SRM in, in multiple different areas. Um, what other highlights, right? I mean, we can go vSphere, you can do VMware Cloud Foundation. I'm just, I'm interested in what's front of mind for you as to, to what the team's been focusing heavily on for the last three or four months. Yeah, so there's... <clears throat> There's a couple priorities here, and, and I certainly would love to say that our priority is, is VVOLs, but not really. Right? VVOLs <laughs> is an enabling technology. It is not the end goal, right? I, I think it is a great way to achieve certain end goals, but that's not really the end. It's an enabling feature. And so our, a lot of our priorities are, or a couple of our major priorities right now are VMware Cloud Foundation, um, and I'll, I'll kind of go into more detail in a second on this, Kubernetes and containers in general. Mm -hmm. right? That's a significant thing. And also from a more core storage perspective, NVMe over fabrics, okay. right, which I mentioned earlier a bit. But to dig into these pieces, VCF. Um, you know, VCF is a offering that VMware offers <laughs> uh, to automate the deployment of your VMware environments. Right? It deploys vCenters and clusters and NSX, you know, the networking side of things, the vRealize suite, the whole, the whole, you know, kitchen sink and well, everything and the kitchen sink rather, um, and the life cycle of it, the updates, firmware, all that type of stuff. I, one of the, one of the attractions that people have had, I think, historically around the idea of hyper-converged was that idea. I, hey, single clip management, I can deploy new infrastructure. Isn't that fantastic? But right ran into some limitations with the storage and compute being type tightly coupled because the data question around your, you know, where that was with your host could become an issue. And this is where VCF comes into play, right? Is that it gives that look and feel, it gives the benefits around that managing the life cycle from a single place, being able to deploy new compute, move compute around, um, but also be able to decouple the storage and leverage your investments in pure or whatever, yeah. right? In in those workload domains, um, and there's been a, a lot of effort from our you know partner community to sell it and look into how we can um, you know offer that out. Certainly, a lot of interest from customers, um, especially the the larger ones in particular. But it really kind of crosses crosses all those boundaries, and we've been working very closely with the VMware engineering team for VCF to further integrate our storage offerings into the tool that automates it all, the one to rule them all, if you will, SCDC yeah. Manager, which, which does that, that initial deployment, day zero, and the day two stuff. And, and that's something that's going to be a continued focus and a topic that's going to come up quite a bit at VMworld. 
Nice. Thanks for the backdrop on that. Uh, and I know we've done some other promotional things and, you know, we covered that at Accelerate and I think there's some webinars running right now. So if anybody wants to see what our position is, along with VMware relative to VMware Cloud Foundation, there's some, some great things that are there. Um, I'm really interesting because I saw some sessions and uh, I know you covered this at our Accelerate as well, but there's really a lot of work that you and the team are starting to shift to and have shifted to for, for Kubernetes. Um, containers and, and really Tanzu and uh, you've got a great uh, provocative session AI ML HPC with vSphere Tanzu that that one looks really interesting that you guys are doing at uh, at VMworld but um, what's what's the update around that space because that seems to be something everybody wants to talk about right now yeah I've been spending probably the majority of my time these days um, digging into the containerized world the Kubernetes world right those those two words are used interchangeably obviously there's slightly you know one's orchestration one's the compute layer but those things come hand in hand i've been spending a lot of time on understanding you know where the gaps are uh, what are our customers trying to do what are our people that are not our customers trying to do what is the, what is the strategy from a public cloud perspective what is the strategy from an on-premises perspective why does someone choose one or the other where are they going is this something that goes on vmware on bare metal uh, I, I've been honestly, I've been reading the subreddits that relate to this, and any any time something comes up related to, I'll I'll DM people like, "Hey, can we chat?" And I've had a lot of conversations yeah. from just pinging people on Reddit saying, "Hey, can I talk about what you're trying to do? I'd like to understand," uh, which has been fairly fruitful. And we've been working directly with VMware, and I have a session at VMworld with the product manager for their CSI driver, their container storage interface driver, cloud native storage, not a very Google friendly term, um, but their, their CSI driver on how we're working together to leverage virtual volumes, of course, with VMware CSI driver. Because uh, I think there's a ton of opportunity around VVOL specifically with what can be done there with containers. And, and I, I think, one of the things I've been seeing from these customers, from these prospects, from partners is that, all right, hey, we're, we're ready to start adopting containerization. And this could be driven from a million different reasons. Like it could be, we want to modernize our own applications, right? There's a subset that are certainly doing that, no doubt, and many that have been doing it for years. And then there's another segment um, that it's being kind of uh, hoisted upon them. And it's not because some you know, CIO from the mount of saying modernize your applications, it's that they have off the shelf software that they buy from software vendors. And those software vendors are modernizing their applications. And, and so these customers need the ability to be able to run and orchestrate containers at scale. Uh, and so of course, the answer these days around that is generally going to be Kubernetes. And from a VMware perspective, a large portion of on-premises compute is running on top of VMware. Certainly a large portion of our customers uh, in particular. And so when they're looking at running Kubernetes, like, do I do bare metal? Do, what do I do? Do I go to public cloud? A lot of times their infrastructure team is their VMware team. And so that's just a sensible place to start. They don't want to say, oh, well, you know, hey, there could be some benefits around bare metal. I don't know. But in the end, I don't want to manage two different types of infrastructure. I, I'm, VMs are not going away. Right. And there are some very clear benefits to doing it on top of VMware. The ecosystem, of course, your storage vendor, your backup vendor, uh, the, all, all the expertise that's been built around VMware. And then basic things like vMotion and DRS, those can come into play in, in a containerized world. Just because it's, it's a container doesn't 
change some of those requirements. And so there's a lot of interest at looking at deploying containers in Kubernetes. And in fact, a lot of it is happening and has happened on top of VMware. Mm-hmm. And of course, VMware is getting into that game too, making it more attractive. You, 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 know, you referenced their Tanzu suite, Tanzu Kubernetes Grid, Mission Control, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, their vSphere with Kubernetes, the Project Pacific stuff, right? There's, they're, they're putting a lot of energy into simplifying that and integrating it into their stack. Um, and so customers are going to be starting a lot of their Kubernetes or container containerization journeys on top of VMware. VMware is doing whatever they can to make it attractive to stay there. And I think they're doing a good job of that. Uh, and I, I think that the stuff that's happening at VMworld is going to be very focused on some of the work they've been putting in there recently. Uh, you know, look at the session list. There's a ton, ton around, of course, Kubernetes and Tanzu and so okay. forth. And, uh, you know, we're, from a pure perspective, we're doing what we can to support those workloads too. We have our CSI driver. We're working with VMware. We're working to see what we can do to have them coexist. Uh, My session with John Owings is on hybrid cloud Kubernetes, how we can support them via cloud block store and AWS. Because that's another thing that comes up is disaster recovery, uh, data mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like what they're seeing is like, Hey, we're offering up the services to run containers. Our developers are writing these applications. Should we require, should we require that our developers build in DR high availability in their applications? Can we trust that they did? And if there is an outage and we can't recover their application cause they didn't do it, whose fault is that? Right. And so I think a lot of the infrastructure teams are looking at, we need a way to provide disaster recovery from the infrastructure layer to make sure that we can protect our applications. And a lot of these conversations are going on around that. So I I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity around what we can offer customers from on-premises flash array to in the public cloud, cloud block store around replication and resurrecting containers in a Kubernetes environment that's running in different places. And that's something that's a, a heavy focus for me as I work with our container folks and of course VMware. Yeah, certainly mobility plays into that and, and kind of um, kind of hybrid. Um, awesome. Thanks for super interesting space and, and uh, look forward to seeing those sessions that you're going to be covering there. What, what do you have planned for the, for the core storage best practices and, and your, your talk around automation? You mentioned earlier, that's kind of a, a back to basics and maybe you'll, you'll pull in some of the things that maybe you wouldn't have done um, or haven't done. I mean, what, what kind of things do you go through in that session? Because I, I think that's one that a lot of admin folks are really interested in seeing. Yeah, the, the core storage session is one I've been doing for a couple of years now with VMware. I, I previously did it with Cormac Hogan, uh, Jason Massey from VMware, the you know core storage lead TME there, and it's a agnostic session, right? I'm I'm there, you know, Pure is paying me to be there, right? But it's not really a hey, this is a storage and Pure session. This is a external storage best practices session with VMware, um, and so we go through things that we find as important to understand what are common cases that support organizations see when it comes to external storage, where the, where are the problem areas, what can you do to protect yourself, what tweaking matters and what tweaking doesn't matter for the, for the, the general populace. Um, I, of course, iSCSI configuration, queue depths, um, resiliency. Uh, I, I can't, I, you know, I can't emphasize this enough configure NTP and syslog, right? And if there's an issue and you lose the logs or they're all 30, every piece is 35 minutes off one another, it is extremely hard to troubleshoot those problems. And so there are things like that too that are super important. And so Jason and I go through 
our recommendations from our experience with you know supporting storage environments in the VMware world um, and the new features that might matter around that or could change your best practices or talking about the best practices that don't matter at all anymore. Uh, so it should be useful regardless to whether or not you're a, certainly a pure storage customer. But I do encourage our pure customers to pay attention as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then, of course, your favorite, as I said earlier, you've got a session on uh, VVols. I, I assume you're doing that one, of course, right? Yeah, so I have a, a couple <laughs> sessions here with, with VVols. Um, I, I believe I mention it in every session. So, yeah, there's a few here. One is Site Recovery Manager and Virtual Volumes. I'm presenting again with uh, Valina from, from VMware, who's the Product Manager for Site Recovery Manager, uh, and Eric Siebert from HPE. Um, and we're talking about our work uh, as three partners on the SRM and virtual volumes. And, you know, Valina introduces SRM and VVols in general. Uh, Eric's going to talk about some of the stuff that they're doing with HPE and, and virtual volumes. And uh, I talk a little bit about why I think because of the features of virtual volumes and the integration with Site Recovery Manager, why it actually makes a better storage option directly in context with Site Recovery Manager um, than something else, right? VMFS, et cetera, et cetera. And then I could talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we're doing, of course, uh, to take advantage of that from, from a peer perspective. I have another session with, once again, Jason, um, to talk about use cases of virtual volumes. So talking about the different VMware products, uh, the vRealize suites, vRealize automation, operations manager, all this type of stuff around why vVols is important in that situation, why it's useful, uh, and some just general use cases. We talk a bit about ransomware and virtual volumes, how leveraging your array features can help and, and, and things around that area. So it's, it's, it's a new session around, it's more focused, not what vVols is what VVOLs are, these are. Um, it's really more about why uh, and what that actually means across the ecosystem. And then the last session, as I did refer to it earlier, is with um, VMware as well on their cloud native storage driver, um, CSI driver, uh, and how what that means with virtual volumes and why those two things are, we believe are better together. And of course, in roadmap on where VMware is going with their CSI driver too. So a lot certainly coming up with VVOLs. As I said, that's the VVOLs is that enabling feature to get us where we need to be. And that's why we're putting so much effort into it, not only from a pure perspective, but also, of course, VMware is too. Yeah, fantastic. So seven total sessions that we've got, if I counted correctly, I think I can count to seven. Um, as a marketing guy, even uh, with numbers, but um, really great stuff. Anything else that you're excited about for uh, for VMworld? I mean, we kind of hit that out at the, out at the top, but um, you know, this, this is a big one for you every year. You know, where you get to go and just kind of showcase everything that the team's doing. But but anything else that stands out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the announcements that are going to be made um, from a VMware perspective are going to be really interesting. A, a lot of the work we've been putting, we've been you know co-engineering and so forth are going to be announced and talked about in more detail, of course, at, at VMworld. So it's always great to see that kind of delivered um, and the reception and, and the response that it gets uh, for, for better or for worse, right? You know, to get that feedback and see, you know, where do we need to go next? So I always enjoy that um, from VMworld. And, and also we've been, we've updated almost all of our integration, right? I mentioned SRM, our vRealize Operations Manager Management Pack, vRealize Orchestrator, VM Analytics. Uh, there's going to be another release coming out very soon around that. Uh, some of the stuff around VCF. Kyle Grossmiller on my team 
has been doing a ton of work around VMware Cloud Foundation. Uh, you can check it out on our support site on some of the documents and videos and stuff he's put together. So really all those things, as I said, everything that we've been we've released is being updated actively right now. And a lot of that's going to be announced or shown or released uh, at VMworld. So it'll be fun to, to see that all land. That's the culmination of a lot of work of a lot of people. And I'm glad you mentioned Kyle because Kyle does the yeoman's work in, uh, in that space as well. He's a tremendous asset I know for you. Yeah. Kyle is one of, one of those folks that, you know, you just say, Hey, um, here's really, abstract project can you figure it out and you know he disappears for three weeks and comes back and he has this amazing amount of work and documentation and videos and understanding and it's it's great he's he's one of those um one of those generalist specialists right that he can take any task and then become an expert in it in short time so he's been a huge asset to to pure in general yeah, it's a magical skill. Well, thank you for uh, for coming on and previewing, showcasing everything uh, that is going to be going on at VM World. And I think you you maintain uh, we get you on the on the pure blog, but you also have an external blog that you maintain as well. Why don't you plug that really quick as well as your Twitter for folks that want to follow you because you are an interesting follow on Twitter as well. Yeah, I, uh, to CodyHosterman.com is my blog and Cody Hosterman on Twitter and, and a variety of other places. So um, I uh, tend to tweet about a lot of different things, tech or non-tech related. So FYI, um, don't at me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's certainly if you have any questions, uh, slide into my DMs or whatnot, and I'd be happy to chat with you. And I said, in particular, um, I would love to chat about your journey as it's been or your expected or anticipation of your journey into the Kubernetes and container world. So certainly feel free to reach out, uh, talk with us. We can set up direct uh, calls with VMware engineering as well. So we can all chat together. Certainly, certainly uh, keep the, the lines open with me. Great call to action. And if there's anything about Cody, he's super accessible. Um, so don't be shy. Don't be shy about jumping into his DMs, as they say on, uh, on the Twitter. Well, awesome. Great to have you back on the program. Let's do it again soon. And if you want to go find out more information and or to register for VMworld, we've got a great landing page, purestorage.com slash VMworld 2020 all together at the end after the slash. And there you can get links to the sessions. And actually, I just looked and uh, there's a link to the blog that you published. I won't go through that URL, but great blog that has all the session previews as well as a lot of the content and the things that had been done previously that we covered on this episode. So go ahead and check that out. I want to thank everybody for listening and for supporting the Pure Report podcast. We will keep bringing on great guests like Cody as you keep sending in your suggestions for things for us to cover. And with that, we will go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and Cody Hosterman. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you. <laughs>